Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No! This is Patrick! Time now for the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. I got a, uh, I'm all frazzled because I'm, I'm, I want to rant about something, but I don't think it's something a lot of people are going to care about. So I'm going to save it for later. Just in case anybody out there is interested. But these Floyd Mayweather coming back rumors, they're not rumors. I mean, he might not end up doing it, of course. The guy's a con artist. But he posted on Instagram yesterday, he's coming out of retirement, and he's talking about Dana White, and they got some agreement, they're going to do something great in 2020. And I'm just, ah. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, stay tuned, because I'm going to get to that a little bit later on in the show. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Bills and Broncos on Sunday at 1 o'clock. We're getting you ready here. It's still Football Friday, of course, on WGR. Thinking about the game in a couple different ways. One of which is, like, they... they I think they really need to win on Sunday. It, like, this, this is a big game. I'm never going to say must win unless it's a legitimate must win game. If you don't go home the next game, if you are still mathematically alive to do anything then it's not a must win. So, we have to look at the Bills this week and, and call it something else. I, I'm going to say there's a lot of pressure on the Bills this week to win. They are a favorite. It'll probably be maybe one or two more times after this week that they will be favored. I would imagine that they are favored against the New York Jets in Week 17, and maybe they're favored uh, at Pittsburgh. Don't think they'll be favored at home against the Ravens. Not the way Baltimore is playing right now. This game is important in that you've got the tougher games on its way. Like, this is the last of the gimmies. And it's not a gimme per se, but the Bills have had the easiest schedule in the NFL. If you look at what the difference is, I think uh, NFL.com put out this stat, the difference between their strength of schedule in the first 10 games versus what it is left, there's only one team that has a bigger difference in the league, and that team is escaping me right now. It might be the Rams. I don't remember. But the difference in the the Bills' opponent win percentage goes from like 35% to 65%. It's a huge difference. You go from playing Miami and Denver and Washington and Miami to playing, here comes Dallas on the road. Here comes Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Here comes, honestly, even the Steelers. The Steelers are one of your easiest games left, and I don't know how easy it's going to be. I might want to hope the Bills are going to win that game, but I don't think those two teams are that different. So I, I might have to go with the home team in that game, which is Pittsburgh. And then you have New England at Foxborough. So you get the Jets 
last game of the season, but you got to hope it doesn't come down to that last game of the season. If the Bills are playing for a playoff spot in Week 17 against the Jets, something has gone wrong. Something has gone wrong. Because as it stands today, they have a pretty good lead. You know, they have they have a pretty good lead in the uh, in the AFC wildcard race. Last night, Indianapolis loses. Now, either them or the Texans were always going to lose. I personally am glad it was the Colts. I like both teams. I think both teams will make the playoffs. I'm not a big believer in the Raiders just yet. I still don't know what the Raiders do good. Like, I see people, Colin Cowherd from Fox Sports and Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk and ESPN. Like Everybody's got power rankings out today. And or yesterday or earlier this week, and they've all got the Raiders in the top ten. Everybody's got the Raiders in the top ten. They're the trendy pick right now. That was actually the Bills a little bit earlier on. Speaking of Colin Cowherd, he at one point in the season, maybe it was like week six or seven, had the Bills as the sixth best team in football. Now that trendy team is kind of Oakland. So there is the Colts at six and five. There's Oakland at six and four. The Steelers at five and five. The Titans at five and five. The Browns at four and six. The Jaguars at four and six. Whoever you want here. And then there's the Bills at seven and three. A one game lead on the Raiders. A game and a half lead on the Colts. A two game lead on Pittsburgh. And a two game lead plus a tiebreaker on Tennessee. Add all that up and. All you got to do is keep pace with those teams the rest of the year. And those are not juggernaut teams. You know, Oakland, I don't, again, I don't know what they do great. They're kind of okay at everything. But what are they great at? They're not that great at running the football, but they're pretty good with Josh Jacobs. They're not a great passing offense, but, you know, Derek Carr has had a better year this year. I would say they're pretty good. Their defense is not great, but it's not quite as bad as it was last year. So, all in all, like they're just an okay team. They're fine. Now, maybe the best thing Oakland's got going for them is what the Bills have had going for them, is that the Raiders, for the rest of the season, have one of the easier schedules in football. They have maybe one really hard game left. They play at Kansas City next week. Otherwise, Oakland's looking at the Jets, Titans, Jaguars, Chargers, Broncos. That's pretty easy. But again... I'm not a huge believer in them. I could see them losing to a couple of those teams because even though it might look easy and on paper, that's an easy schedule. If you look at the strength of schedule, when you look at the record, that's not daunting at all for Oakland. But again, what do we think of them? Because I four of those are road games. I, I think the Jets could absolutely beat the Raiders this week. The Jets have been weird this year. Like They have a couple games where they look really good. Darnold... Darnold's actually been, I think, this year what I thought Josh Allen was going to be last year. Or what I was, what I thought Josh Allen would be when they drafted him. A lot of highs and a lot of lows. That's been Sam Darnold this year. Looking at his game charts right now, like last week, I know it was Washington, but remember we were all hoping that Allen, we were waiting for Allen to have that big boom game. And Washington was one of those teams on the schedule at home, and he did, didn't happen. Well, Darnold goes to Washington, and he completes 19 passes of 30 for 293 yards through the air, four touchdowns and a pick. But Darnold will also have a game like he did against New England earlier in the year. And I know like Allen wasn't all that great against New England, but he wasn't as bad as Darnold was. Darnold had 86 yards and four interceptions. He didn't even crack 100. 
Or how about the game where he threw three picks against the Jaguars? So, Darnold's been very up and down this year, but there have been ups. There have been some ups. So we're at a point now where, to me, it's pretty easy to say Josh Allen is the number two quarterback this year from last year's draft class. But I think the Jets could beat Oakland this week. I think Denver, at home, late in the year, could beat Oakland. I could see the Chargers at home beating the Raiders. Even the Jaguars, even the Titans. Like The thing is, all of these teams that are kind of grouped together, and I would include the Bills in this, are all kind of the same to me. The Bills, Raiders, Colts, Steelers, Titans, even the Browns and Jaguars if you want it, even the Chargers. All of those teams, I would say, are, they're alright. They're okay. They can be good at times. They can be great at times. They can also be terrible at times. And maybe the Bills are just a little bit better than those teams, but that's like the group they're in. And the only thing different this year about the Bills has been their schedule. And I guess you could say their defense, too. Like, that would be a difference, for sure. That that matters and that counts. Like I just said, I don't really know what Oakland does great. I'm not sure they do anything great. We know the Bills do one thing great, and it is holding opposing quarterbacks to almost nothing. They've allowed, I think, four passing touchdowns or four, no, maybe seven. Maybe it's seven. Seven passing touchdowns now I think they've allowed on the year, which is second to New England. Like, we know their pass defense is legitimately great. So that's something you got. And a lot of those other teams not, not aren't necessarily great at anything. But they're all pretty good teams, and I think the Bills are a pretty good team. But here's the thing. If all those teams are kind of equal, again, all you got to do is keep pace. Because you're 7-3, and three and all of those teams are playing catch-up. And not only would one, one team have to catch you, two teams would have to catch you for the Bills to make the playoffs. So that's... How you put a positive spin on it. Then, the other part of me that might want to think about the negative side of things to kind of counteract that, thinks to myself, and this is why this game Sunday is really important. Because I don't, this game is maybe not a gimme. I think this game should be an easy game, but it doesn't have to be an easy game. The Bills defense, I mean, you would like to think how good they've been playing Brandon Allen. Who? Brandon Allen, the quarterback for the Broncos, you'd like to think they'd be able to hold him to maybe single-digit points. But that doesn't have to be the case. And the other thing is, Josh Allen on the other side of the field, when he has played the few great defenses he has played this year, he has struggled a lot. And what's to say the Bills will even crack 20 points in this game? The over-under, I had it on the top of my head and I don't have it now, um... But I'd have to imagine that Vegas doesn't think the Bills are going to get much higher than 20 points if they even have them getting to 20 points. The over-under in this game is 37. The Bills are a minus 3.5 point favorite. So, 19-16? to Is my math off on that? 20-17. to It would be 2017 Bills. That's kind of what I'm thinking about for this game. I think it's going to be one of those grinded out, defense needs to win you a game. But again, this is kind of what that Allen performance did for me last week. It hit the pause button on all the conversation we were having before, but also what it did is it proved that he is at least capable of really winning them a game. You want to see him do it against a much 
more intimidating opponent. Like that Miami roster, I know they had won two in a row, but that was a that is a depleted team that is tanking. And you'd like to see Allen do it against a team that is legitimately respectable. But at the very least, we know he's capable of a performance like he had against Miami last week. We don't know that about Brandon Allen. And that maybe is the biggest difference between the Bills and Broncos, and that's really where you would really hope Allen shows up on Sunday. Because that might be the biggest reason to think the Bills should be a legit favorite in this game. And if they don't win on Sunday, and this is why I think there's a lot of pressure on this game, if the Bills don't win on Sunday, you are staring 7-6 and six in the face. How's that record sound? Because we've all, we're all riding high right now at 7-3. and three. I can get really quickly to them getting to 7-6 and six if they don't beat Denver on Sunday. Because your next two games are two of your tougher games all year. Like Dallas isn't a juggernaut, but they're pretty good. And you're going on the road to play them in their game. Like That is the Thanksgiving-Dallas game at 4 o'clock. That is their game. And it's on the road. And the way Dak Prescott is playing right now, Man, like it'll be a little it'll be tough to stop him. That'll really put the Bills past defense to the test. The numbers Dak is putting up are crazy. He's approaching 4000 yards already on the season. Like he has really come out this year in a contract year and proved that he's not just a game manager. And that's kind of what I thought of him. Like if you heard any of my shows going into this year, if I ever mentioned Dak Prescott, I was always putting him in the same breath as like the Marcus Mariotas and the Alex Smiths and the Ryan Tannehills of the world. Like, game manager types. He has been much better than that this year. That's next week. That's a tough game. You are going to be probably a six-and-a-half point underdog in that game, at least. And then after that, Lamar Jackson comes to town. And the Bills love to talk about defend their dirt, and they love to, record-wise in McDermott's career, they do perform a lot better at home than they do on the road. But Baltimore just might be the best team in, the, in football right now. They really might. Given what they did to New England a couple weeks ago, it's hard to not at least argue that they're the best team going right now in the AFC. Those are two games that, think about it, if they were sprinkled in earlier in the year between all of these these easy games the Bills had, like if you put the Baltimore game where Cleveland was and if you put the Dallas game where New England was, those were games that maybe at a different point in time, if they lost them but they were competitive, you would have thought to yourself, all right, that's okay. We lost to Dallas, but it was close. We lost to Baltimore at home, but it was close. If you lose to Denver, you can't have those moral victories. You can't. Because if you... 7-6 and six is a tough record to come back from. Now we're talking about, hey, if you want to get to 10, that's a tough, that's a tough get. Pittsburgh on the road. I want to hope they. I would think. I would predict they beat Pittsburgh on the road, and I would predict they beat the Jets. But now I'm talking about beating Fox, winning in Foxborough, and who wants to have that conversation? Are we sick of having that conversation? The a big part of why this year felt different is it finally felt like they didn't have to win in Foxborough, which almost is always the case. There's always that game near the end of the year. We always stare at it for months or weeks at a time, going into it, and think to ourselves, "We got to do it at some point." And you're going to have to do it. So let's just hope they do it. Like you, There's really nothing to ever make you think they are going to win in Foxborough. But you always need that game for something. And this year, you want to get to a point where you don't need that game. And to not need that game in Foxborough 
You need to beat Denver on Sunday. That's why this game is so important to me. Because if they lose, then suddenly, and I've had this conversation before where I, you're thinking about all they got to do is win the games that they need to win or that they should win. Like games you would have predicted the Bills would have won coming into the season. Just win those games. You don't have to beat Dallas. You don't have to beat Baltimore. You don't have to beat New England. But, you know what? Beat Brandon Allen in the Broncos at home. Beat Mason Rudolph in the Steelers. Beat the New York Jets with Adam Gase. Those are not daunting tasks. All you got to do is do what you should. Cleveland, you could have put in that game. You were allowed, to me, this is this is the way I put it, I think a couple weeks ago. Before the Cleveland game, I said, of the teams you play that have worse records and that you have a big you have reason to believe you should win that game on paper, you're allowed one goof. You're allowed to blow one of those. They've already really used that. They've used that on the Cleveland game. Cleveland was what, two and six at the time? Hauschka misses the field goal, everything that happened in the final drive with uh, huddling up, it, it all happened. But they blew that game at the end. That's it. You don't get another one. Because here's the th- if you do blow another one, if you lose to either Brandon Allen and the Broncos at home, or you lose to Mason Rudolph and the Steelers, or you lose to Adam Gase and the Jets at home, you lose to any of those three teams. And suddenly, now we're back to the Bills ne- pretty much needing... Almost needing. It's like a 50-50 shot to make the playoffs if they're 9-7, and seven, depending on which games they win. But in a vacuum, you lose one of those games you should win, and then suddenly I've got to find a way to beat Dak Prescott and the Cowboys in, in Jerry World next week and on Thanksgiving. i got to find a way to beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens right now. Or I've got to find a way to beat Tom Brady in his own building, which they they never do. Have they ever done it? They haven't done it since I remembered. Have they ever gone to Foxborough and beat Tom Brady? Has it really actually never happened? Maybe it never has happened. They won the one game where Garoppolo comes in. They won the one game where Brissett's starting. They've never really beat Tom Brady in Foxborough. And maybe you out there might be thinking to yourself... Baltimore, come on, we could beat them at home. We can stop Lamar Jackson. That's, that's a little bold. Nobody is stopping Lamar Jackson. Belichick couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. That Patriots defense that has looked like the best defense, arguably in NFL history, at least the numbers they're putting up are historic, that defense could not stop Lamar Jackson. You can't just assume you're going you're gonna to hold them to 24 points. Because even if they do that, like, 24 points holding that Ravens offense right now. Like, that's probably a good job. But this Bills offense hasn't proven consistently they can get to 24. And I don't want to be thinking about that. I don't want to be thinking about how I have to beat the Ravens or how I have to beat the Cowboys or the Patriots. But here's the thing. The Bills are still in a spot where they don't have to think about that kind of stuff. But it only continues to be that way if you beat Denver on Sunday. That's why this game is really important to me. Because not only mathematically and looking at the schedule doesn't matter like that, but also what is it going to say? How is it going to feel if a quarterback with the same last name as our guy, who nobody's ever heard of until a couple of weeks ago, has been in the league for four years, kind of a journeyman type, 
has never played a snap until a couple weeks ago. That guy, how's it going to feel if he comes in your building and beats you with your defense that you've had and with the quarterback that you invested everything into? That's going to be a tough pill to swallow. A really tough pill to swallow. Josh Allen needs to come out and have a game. One of his better games of the year, I think. I do. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Just, Just to continue along... Really the notion that he has far and away been the number two quarterback in the 2018 draft class right now. Like, I want that to continue. I do. I still have a lot of questions about what he's going to be long term. But I'm more optimistic about him right now than I think Cleveland fans probably are about Baker Mayfield. And what Jets fans are right now about Sam Darnold. And absolutely what anybody thinks about Josh Rosen. Lamar Jackson's going to maybe be the MVP of the league. And... Every team that picked a quarterback ahead of him is probably going to look back on that and think maybe we should have done it. And we were wrong to not even consider it. But Allen's at least furthering and he's making it he's not making it crazy for Bills fans to continue to believe he's a franchise quarterback. That's what that performance in Miami did last week. That's what a lot of his steady improvement has been this season. But I think if I think Bills fans will still want more. And for me personally, what I want to see more of is I want to see more of what he did last week, but against legit teams, against legit defenses. And here's a chance for that. Here's another chance for that. And when you have the quarterback that should have, in a, in a, ideally, should have the capability of having a big game like that, whereas the other guy, the other team's quarterback doesn't have that capability, I want to win that football game. And I think I should win that football game. Bills and Broncos is really interesting to me for me on Sunday. Even though the Broncos are just not an interesting team to me. Like, the matchup's interesting. Denver's not interesting to me. At all. I, I'm glad that the Bills are not in a similar spot to them. I'm glad that I'm not a fan of the Broncos. Because I'd be driving myself crazy. The GM is like a folk hero in the, in that town. We had Jeff Legwold from uh, ESPN on earlier who covers the Broncos for ESPN talking about how like Elway's on car commercials and he's still, like he's a god in Denver. How could you ever move on from that? Like you're almost stuck, I would feel like, if you're the Broncos, because you have a GM that keeps getting quarterback wrong. Like since Peyton Manning walked out the door, Simeon, wrong answer. Keenum, wrong answer. Osweiler, 
He tried to sign Osweiler to that big contract that the Texans signed him to. It was almost the same. That would have been a wrong answer. Paxton Lynch, first-round pick. I was so bad he couldn't get on the field. And now Flacco. Oh, what an existence that must be. To just know that the same guy is probably going to be there for a long time, making these same decisions, and he just can't get the most important position right, especially when he was one of the best at that position ever. Like, what would we be thinking right now if Jim Kelly had been, for the last five years, the Bills GM, the Bills president of football operations, whatever? And how many swings do you get? You get more swings just because of who you are, I would think. So Denver's not really interesting to me. And they're not that good. But the defense is legit. So, they're not interesting to me, I guess, but the the matchup is. And it's important for the Bills, I think, to get this win. I just kind of outlined why I think that is. But I guess of the things I just mentioned that make it important for me, the schedule is definitely the biggest one. Because even though I, I think the Bills are having a very good season, they've not done enough for me yet to think that they're going to win one of those three tough games that I highlighted, Baltimore, uh, Dallas, and New England. They haven't done enough to make me think they're going to find a way to win one of those. They could, but I I would not predict they do. 803-0550 is the phone number. Maybe talk a little bit more about Allen just kind of clearly being, to me, the number two quarterback in this 2018 draft class right now. Maybe I'll bring that up a little bit further um, as well. And a little bit more deeper look into what is going on in the AFC wildcard race right now, and also playoff matchups. The, the, the Bills are they are getting to a point where it seems like everything that happens around them is increasing their playoff chances. Last night was not a big change, but the Colts losing did help their playoff odds. And like, when are we allowed to start talking about playoff matchups? I, I, just, I want to bring that up just a little bit. Just a little bit. Start, we'll start to just start to tease it. That, that conversation. Because I'm looking, I hope, I maybe hope more than anything, the Bills win in Denver on Sunday because I'm going all in on playoff matchup talk next week if that happens. Like 8-3, and three, I'm going in on that stuff. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. We'll get to your calls right after the break here on WGR. You're starting to see on a weekly basis Josh Allen make some really, really good throws and start to recognize some things. I think that's part of the piece I did for matchup is that those two plays show some recognition, which will be a big factor as we transition to this week against a Vic Fangio defense because he blurs the lines with his safeties as to what the coverage is until the ball snaps, and you have to be aware of that or he'll cause problems for you. Greg Cosell. ESPN's NFL matchup as well as NFL Films. I'm with One Bills Live earlier today. I think that's right. I think Allen's starting to... You you saw it actually last week on display when he has time in the pocket and there were some plays against Miami where he had all day. Like You can see he's moving through his reads. He doesn't do it all the time. There's a couple plays um, this season that I remember that actually two weeks ago that he completes a pass against Cleveland to uh, Cole Beasley, and he got lucky because he stared down Beasley the whole time. So he's not always doing it, but it does look like pretty consistently that he is he's going through his reads, and he's, he's usually coming back to John Brown, it seems, if everything else fails. But he's doing a lot of the things he was supposed to work on. Just waiting on the deep ball, really. 
It's really all we're waiting on. Bills and Broncos this Sunday. How important is it? Looking at the schedule, looking at the playoff picture, who's behind you? What do you think? 803-0550 is the phone number. Start rolling through some calls here. Let's go to Larry. Larry, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. How you been? Good. How about you? Great. Uh, two things I want to talk about. First, the Bills and the Sabres. Which, Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, I know. It's depressing. But <laughs> as far as the Bills go, I, I mean, I, drew, I went down to the game last week. And I was way more nervous driving to that game in Miami than I am this game in Denver, I mean, against Denver. And, and I don't know why. But I saw, you know, I just saw Josh kind of mature last week in the pocket. And I mm-hmm. he can do that against a good defense. And I'm not as worried about New England, and, I, and I've been terrified about New England for since 2000. <laughs> but, yes. I mean, he, he just wasn't ready for that stage. I don't, I don't think, and I think he's going to be in a much better place against New England because I don't see us beating Dallas, and I don't see us beating Baltimore. So this game is huge. Well, so you, wait, wait, so are you, you implying you think the the Foxborough game is the most winnable of those three? Of the three, yeah, I do. Really? Um, yeah, I do. Because um, I'm, and I'm, I'm upset because I'm going down. I'm going to see the Sabers Sunday down in Florida. <laughs> I have no interest in going to see that. Well, at least, hey man, at least you're in Florida. Just, just let's keep things in perspective to uh, for at least a little bit. I would say. 80, it was 80 and sunny today. Kind of sucked. Okay, Gee, this guy, hey, Larry. Thanks for the call, man. 80 and sunny. Have fun at Sabers and Panthers. I'm sure that'll go great. Florida's won like five in a row. They're second in the Atlantic. They're legit. So I'm sure that'll go great. I do not agree. Foxborough is the most winnable of those games at all I think Dallas is the most winnable and I think Baltimore is second New England's going through their own stuff they actually have some similar issues to what the Bills have their offense is struggling and Brady is out here on radio interviews not taking any of the blame and like it sounds like things like he want I think he wants Antonio Brown back is really what a lot of this is but they're dealing with injuries at receiver Muhammad Sanu's hurt Philip Dorsett's hurt Brown's not there, obviously. They don't really have anything at tight end. The offense is struggling there. But it's not that bad. It's struggling compared to what it normally is. It's all about expectations. The Bills' offense struggles in general. Before last week, like they were bottom five in a lot of offensive statistics. New England is like middle of has been like middle of the pack all year, which for them is struggling. But when you think about what expectations are with them, they're like thinking, Tom Brady, we're gonna be near the top of the league. So it's different, and I just I can never pick the Bills to win that game. It's never happened. They've never beat Brady in Foxborough. It doesn't happen. So I don't want to I, I I don't want to get to a point where I think I have to win that game. So Larry, in a way, I hope you're right that they could win that game, but I, I'm not gonna. I I can't get there. I just can't get there. A lot of I liked what else uh, a lot of the other stuff you had to say though. So thanks for the call. Let's go to David. David, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, um, you know what? I've been home visiting. I'm from Buffalo originally, but what what really gets me? I hear everybody dissecting the Bills here, there, and every place else, but nobody, no one on any of your shows. And I know you guys broadcast the game, so Entercom's got to tiptoe around criticizing the ownership. But until his ownership changes in this city. We don't we don't we don't tip tiptoe around that. How many they have they have plenty of times been criticized for firing guys too early or hiring the wrong guys. That it happens. Maybe you have. Maybe you have. No, no, it happens in general, man. Like I think it happens in general. I think you're missing it. 
No, I'm not missing it because I read every article every day. Vic Carucci is, is, is the biggest uh, culprit at this. You got a hockey team that you hire people, and then they hire this clown, Rex Ryan. With, with Kim and Terry Pagula, they might be able to drill gas wells and make a million dollars, but they sure as heck don't know how to run a franchise. And making the playoffs one time in 19 years on this football team is unacceptable. Yeah, D- David, thanks for the call, man. I-, I don't know why we're going back to Rex Ryan. Vic Carucci does not work for us, so... I They shouldn't be completely absolved, I agree with you, but there are there's deeper issues going on right now. And actually, if you look at what the football team is doing right now, I'm not the biggest Sean McDermott guy in the world. I'm not the biggest Brandon Bean guy in the world. But they are kind of on the verge of making the playoffs twice out of three years. The hockey team, I've got no defense for what's going on right now. Nothing. Like, I won't even begin to defend them on the hockey team right now. But the football team, like they're 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 going pretty strong. Like they've got things together, it seems. They at least like the one thing I want to give them credit for is they're willing to take the shot. And that was with the quarterback. That should be a given. Like it should be so easy to think that an ownership group or a management group or a head coach or anybody should know, like, hey, you got to take a quarterback in the first round if you need one. If you've got a first-round pick and there's a quarterback there, take it. But honestly, the Bills have not done that in their history. It was only before, before Allen, it was only EJ, Lossman, and Kelly. That's it. Three times. So just the fact they were willing to take a shot on a first-round quarterback is progress to me. And... Even though I do believe that they are, in large part, sitting here with a 7-3 record because of what their schedule is, it'd be very easy. I, like, I'm glad they're in a spot where you can make that argument. The Sabres right now, I wish we could argue that, hey, they're in a playoff spot because the conference behind them is not that good. But they can't even get there. Where were we? Bills and Broncos. Let's go to Bill. Bill, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hello? Go ahead, Bill. You're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Listen, I'm going to go way off the wall here, okay? Way off the wall. All right. You know if the Bills win out, win out, and don't say they can't. I don't use the can't word. They can't. And New England stumbles one time. You know the Bills would be the number one seed in the AFC? Yeah, if the Sabres went out there, they're going to be the number one seed in the East. What, what are we talking about here, though? They're, you think they can really do that? The Bills. You don't think they can win them out? No, I don't. Okay, because they can beat New England. They can beat Baltimore. What tells you they can beat New England right now? What tells you they can beat New England? In Foxborough, by the way. They haven't beat here in Buffalo. They really did, but they they it was a pretty even game, and you were at home. So, like, I'm not going to completely disagree with you. Like, it is fair to bring up that game, but it, that's also not the only hard game. Like, they have a tough schedule here at the end. I understand it, kid. I kid. I understand it. But if they went out and New England stumbles one time, do you realize they'd be the number one seed in the AFC? And it goes to yes. Well, no, yeah. In 91, 92 years, I I do. I'm an old guy. They. I like Josh Allen. It, it, he's a good kid. He's a good guy. Yeah, that's all. Bill, thanks for the call. I, I just can't get to thinking about them winning out thirteen and three. No way. They have not been that good this year. They've been that good to think that's possible. The best teams in the league probably aren't thinking about doing that. 
if they won out, it would blow my mind. What would it even look like? Maybe it would just be Allen exploding, continuing to play like he did against Miami. Like, every single game. That's what it would take, though. He would need to play like he did against Miami in every single game. No hiccups. At all. We're talking 300 total yards, three or four touchdowns, no turnovers, the defense keeps playing well. And honestly, none of those things, except for the pass defense, has been consistent this year. Even the run defense hasn't been consistent. You would need like four or five things to be consistent the rest of the year, and really you've had one of them that's been consistent. So I'm not even close to a position to think about them winning out. Not even close. I'm, I'm having a tough time getting them to 10-6. and six. This Denver game is going to mean a lot for that for me. If they don't beat Denver, I'm not picking them to go 10-6. and six. It will be 9-7. and seven. For me, at least. So, 13-3 is a big jump. A big jump. Crazy jump. No way are they going 13-3. Let's go to Corey. Corey, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, man, look. The Bills aren't going to go 13-3. and They're likely not going to win the next six games, but no team in the NFL is likely to close out right. with six wins. Right. So, as much as everybody's piling on the Bills for having a 7-3 record, you know, they don't obviously they don't pick their schedule. But when you look at, at, at some of these second-year quarterbacks, look at all the talent that Baker Mayfield has and how bad they are in Cleveland. Sam Darnold has more offensive weapons. Granted, his line sucks, and he's mm. doing much. So, I do got to say in terms of, of stacking, you know, the, the 2018 quarterback class, I think Josh Allen is clearly number two behind Lamar Jackson. Yep. Um, my only point with that is, you know, it doesn't seem like the Ravens are using Lamar Jackson for longevity. Is this a guy that they plan on having for a 10-year a career? Because the way he's playing, we really haven't seen that before. And hats off to Lamar Jackson. I think he's a great kid. I, I think what they're doing over there, you know, we, we haven't really seen it in the NFL. Um yeah. Hey, Corey, let me, let me, ask you, let me ask, actually ask you a question because I do think this kind of relates to Josh Allen as well. I talked about this last week with Allen running. And I'll, I'll phrase it with Jackson because he's the one that you mentioned there. If it were up to you, would you not pick, though? Like, so let's say it's what, what's Cam Newton's career right now. Cam Newton's been in the league for nine years, and maybe he's done because of injuries, or at least maybe he's done being like a top quarterback because of his injuries. Would you not take eight or nine years of a much higher level of play because of how they use him versus 15, 16 years of something lower than that? Like, to me, I would pick the peak. No, of course you would. I just think, you know. Uh, Newton is a direct comp to Josh Allen because the, obviously their physical stature, the way they run, they kind of invite contact. Lamar Jackson, just all the wiggle and the shake that he has, at some point you just think, uh, you know, because he doesn't really seem to get hit hard, but at some point you just worry about like a non-contact injury. Um, it, it's just, you know, it's untypical for a quarterback to, to run by design as frequently as Baltimore does. And look, I live down here in the D.C. area. Um, I don't mind seeing Baltimore do this good. I listen to WGR every day. I just think, you know, we have to temper mm-hmm. expectations in the fact that Allen is a second-year quarterback, and, and this is a big stretch for him. I think we're going to learn a lot about him these next six games. And although we haven't beaten anybody, you know, we don't have that signature win that a lot of people would like to hold their ha- hang their hat on. Mm-hmm. We've been, with the exception of Philadelphia, in every game. You know, I mean – uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey uh, Corey, thanks for the call, man. Thanks for listening, but i got to move on here. But I don't completely disagree with you. I will say, though, that 
you know, people talk about the signature win, and like you mentioned the phrase, like you don't pick their, your, your schedule, and McDermott, I think, has used that same phrase, but you've had opportunities for the signature win. You did. Like, at some point, just being close won't be enough. They've missed an opportunity to be 8-2 and two or 9-1. and one. Like, it was there for them. The New England game was there for them. The Cleveland game was there for them. And those would, even the Cleveland game, would that have been a signature win? You would have sent them to 2-7. and seven. So, I don't know. And the other thing I think about the Lamar Jackson thing, about oh, if he takes all these hits, he's only going to last three or, four or five or six years. If he was a wide receiver, would we really be thinking the same way? And maybe the volume of him being hit and the amount of touches he had wouldn't be as high, but if he were a wide receiver, would we be thinking about this? Would we? Larry Fitzgerald, 20 years, you know. All these guys that last forever. Deshaun Jackson, who's just a speedster. He's still going like 15 years into his career. So I think we're thinking too hard about that kind of stuff. And that was my big point last week about wanting Allen to run. Like Newton, is the injuries are just now catching up with him nine years in. Like he was not a guy that missed games. And if you could tell me I get a decade out of my quarterback and he's playing better because he's running like that, fine. I'll shave off two, three years if it means a higher level of play. And that's even if the injuries catch up to you because it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. Russell Wilson is now in his 30s. Has he ever missed a game? Has Russell Wilson ever missed a game? Because he moves around. He runs. He has not, by the way. He's never missed a game. 122. 122 for 122. That's where we're at. 803-0550 is the phone number. We got a couple guys still hanging on hold through that segment there. Hang there. We'll get to you right after the break here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. I was actually going to do my little Floyd Mayweather rant here, but I'm going to save that for later because we're we got some good calls going right now. I want to get to everybody before we hit the top of the hour. But this guy's coming back out of retirement. It's driving me crazy. Stay home. Go away. Retire. Stay retired. That's pretty much the gist of what I'm going to say just in more detail later. So if that interests you, stay tuned. Bills and Broncos on Sunday. The Bills are a three-and-a-half point favorite. They are 7-3. and three. And if you got a thought on my statement from earlier, like if you lose to Denver, you're staring 7-6 and six in the face. I-, I think that's right. But I guess it doesn't have to be true because Dallas, maybe I'm giving Dallas too much credit. I think they're pretty good. Maybe I am giving them too much credit. I don't know. Let's keep going through some calls here. Let's go to Buzz. Buzz, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Joe, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you, man? I'm great. Um, actually, that's one of the reasons I call is to talk about Dallas a little bit, but let me just uh, address a couple things first that I, I heard while I was waiting online. Um, you said you weren't real like uh, high, necessarily. You weren't you know, bashing Bean or anything by any stretch. You weren't real high on him. Uh, dude, that's... Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the discovery phase still. I might want to put it. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: the, the best the best draft uh, the best uh, evaluator of college talents that Bill Polian has been here by far. And I mean, look at what he's hit on, dude. You know, I mean, Milano in the fifth round, mm-hmm. White in the first round. You can say, you know, maybe he he shouldn't. Have, maybe he could have got Allen. You know, I mean, it was he had to give a lot of capital for that. Allen wouldn't even be his biggest crime to me. It would be Zay Jones, but that's really like 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 you kind of said. There's a lot of hits, and that might be like off the top of my head. That's the only big miss he's really had. 
right, and you're going to have a mess here and there. I mean, everybody does. You know, and I'll say this, too. So someone else commented about Lamar Jackson, just one of the other callers, about the durability thing. Mm. Oh, it's not me patting myself on the back, but um, I called this station before that draft class came out, and I said, Lamar Jackson is a man, and I said a couple reasons. Um, he, he was... He, he was relied upon to handle the ball every down, of course, a quarterback does. But two things, he was good from the pocket. He was good from the pocket. He was underrated from the pocket. And he was durable. Despite his slight frame, he was durable. He only missed one game in college in three years. Um, and he just doesn't take hits. Like Barry Sanders, he was durable. He didn't take hits. He carried the ball 25, 30 times a game. He's just, he's just that kind of guy that just doesn't take hits. Thurman was a lot like that. You know, I mean, these guys, that he, I'm, he's durable. And so I, I will give myself a little credit for that. Okay. And I'm going to give myself a little credit for last week I called the show and said 20-unit play on the Bills against the Dolphins. That's my max play, 20 units. And I don't, I don't normally call and say, you know, give you know, wagers. But I called last week and said they were going to, cr- they were going to roll, and they did. Now, you go a five-unit play on the Bills this week. The spread opened at five-and-a-half, by the way. It dropped to three-and-a-half. So everyone's on Denver. I don't know why. I don't see him scoring any points. I've been listening to Denver Sports Talk Radio a good chunk of the week, and they got serious problems on the offensive line. They have in, a rash of injuries. The offensive line's got problems. The Bills' uh, uh, pass rush has come to life. Um, Denver's got one weapon, it, it, maybe two. Fant is coming along. Yeah, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton. Apparently, they're raving about that. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, they're raving. Saying, they're, they're already saying he's a top five receiver in the league, at least top ten. But, but, you know, how do you throw the ball on us? You know, I mean, we'll take, we'll take care of that. We'll take care of that. And you've got a guy starting his third, his third game in the league. In, you know, I always call it Rich Stadium. Forgive me. When you come in a rich, you know, I mean, you can't. It's going to be, and it is a must when you're absolutely right. So those points aside, okay, five-unit plays this week on the Bills. I took them at four. When it got down to four, I hopped on them. Now, the Bills next week are seven-point underdogs. You can go to a, a site, VegasInsider.com, real easy to go through. You click on, you know, tap on the NFL icon, and it gives you two weeks. It gives you this week and the next week, all, every week. So um, yep. and the Bills are seven-point underdogs. Now, what I want to talk about Dallas, I hate to skip ahead, but this is important. The Bills can get them. Look at who Dallas is beating. Go, go, go through Dallas' schedule when you've got a second here. Dallas has one good win against Philly. They opened the season with three wins. It was against Washington, the Giants, and Miami. Then they yeah. lost their next three games. I can't remember the first two losses, but then the third loss was to the Jets. They have beaten nobody. They've beaten nobody. They, 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 they haven't beaten anybody just like us. So don't count us out against Dallas. Now, you're getting seven at Dallas. If, if the Bills come through this game healthy, mm. and don't forget, Dallas has got to go to the East Coast here. Yep play the late game, you know, not the late game, the 4-30 game, fly back to Dallas, and um, I love the Bills next week. Yeah, hey, Buzz, thanks for the call, man. I got to run here. I'm really late to a break, but um, yeah, I I like that line, too. I like the Bills. You're you're right, because Dallas does, if you look at their schedule, I just pulled it up real quick. I had forgotten for a second, I think I actually maybe mentioned earlier in the show, that they lost to the Jets. So not only do they not have a lot of signature wins, kind of like the Bills do, but they've got a bad loss. Like, losing to the Jets right now looks like a really bad loss. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll keep rolling through your calls. Thanks again for the call, Buzz. And then we'll get to uh, Greg Cosell a little bit later in the show as our interview of the day. That's coming up next on the Nightcap on WGR. (laughs) 
think we really got something in. What do we got? An idea. What idea? An idea for the show. I still don't know what the idea is. It's about nothing. Right. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. The Nightcap. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. The show really is about something. It's about sports, so. It doesn't completely fit, but for the most part, I guess it does. 803-0550 is the phone number. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. We got a lot into the Bills and the playoff race right now and their upcoming schedule. A couple of tough games on the way. Dallas next week, then Baltimore at Foxborough a couple weeks after that. The Pittsburgh game will be big. All these games are going to be big, obviously, but especially when you've got a few games that are a little tougher. You don't have quite as many Um you know, sorry, I'm distracted. NFL 100 team is actually being announced right now. If you heard uh, our guest earlier on the show, who was talking about the all-time team being announced, Thurman Thomas is up uh, for one of the 12 running backs that will be on the NFL 100 team. Now they've announced a couple players so far. They're also doing a couple head coaches. Uh, Bill Belichick is on this show. He's on the panel as well. They've announced Jim Brown. I think Emmett Smith has been announced already. The all-time NFL leading rusher. Maybe a little soon to put him second. But I think you knew he was going to be on the way at some point. So it looks like Emmett Smith, uh, Jim Brown, and then Paul Brown, former Browns coach, is uh, on this NFL 100 team. I don't know how many Bills will make it. I'd imagine Bruce Smith is a near lock. So that's at least one. There's 10 quarterbacks. Is Jim Kelly one of the 10 best quarterbacks of all time? I would put him in there. That might just be my bias showing, though. I don't know. He'll be close, maybe. And then running back tonight will be interesting. Maybe one, maybe two. Um, Maybe O.J. Simpson goes on the list. Maybe Thurman Thomas goes on the list. So, I don't know. You might get four or five Bills. Who else would you put on there? I, I... 15 wide receivers. Does Andre Reed make the list? I think he would probably maybe come just outside of that. That's like it. I don't see any special teamers up here. Or else Steve Tasker would be the first guy up. But um, maybe they'll maybe they'll keep a spot for him open. Probably should. Just to represent special teams. You know? Could be done. I don't know if it will be done. 803 is the phone number. If you're hanging on hold, thanks for hanging there. We'll get to you right here. Let's go to Bryce first. Bryce, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hi. Um, I just want to talk about how I, I hear a lot of grief about Josh Allen um, and how he gets a lot of the blame for the problems with this offense. But I, saw, I also want to point out the fact that um, they're trying to make Josh Allen be a quarterback that he really isn't. They're changing his style. Like, you look at last year, and he couldn't hit the short ball. He was only hitting the deep ball. Now this year he's only hitting the short ball. Well, he can't hit the deep ball. Don't you think that's part of the reason they've kind of changed his style? Because if they were going to be a vertical offense, they'd stink because he can't hit any deep ball, deep balls right now. So that's it's kind of his inability to hit those vertical passes this year that I think have made them be more of that type of offense, the more of the the short throw and, and short to intermediate route offense. Yes, I I completely agree with that. But I think that in the off season, like training camp and minicamp they were working too much and putting too much pressure on him i think that they need to just let him play his game if like the, my biggest comparison to josh allen right now and the fact of it, or the way he passes the football is he's very comparable to brett Favre. he's not the most accurate quarterback josh or brett Favre threw a lot of interceptions in his life he's still a hall of famer 
He won football games. Josh Allen has shown that he's a competitor. He's going to go out and he's going to do everything he can to win his team the football game. He's a team first guy. Yeah, I, they, they, they need to let him loose a little bit and stop worrying about so much the safe play. Like, why are we running screens on third and long? Well, Bryce, I think we're going a little too far with that. I get what you're saying, and I do want them to let him loose a little bit more as well. But just because you throw interceptions doesn't automatically make you a gunslinger. It doesn't. Because interceptions are dumb. They are. Is Aaron Rodgers not a gunslinger because he doesn't throw picks? He has the highest touchdown-interception ratio in league history. Does, Does the fact that he's thrown as many interceptions as Jameis Winston has this year in the last five years... Does that not make him a gunslinger? Like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like how easy it is to kind of connect those things. It seems every time a quarterback in the league puts up big numbers but also has these turnovers, he's labeled a gunslinger. That doesn't have to be the case. It could just could mean that you lose focus at times. It could mean that you make the wrong decisions. So, is he a gunslinger? Really? Because, I, I don't know, he's not really being played as a gunslinger right now, and he's better than last year. So, if this version of Josh Allen, which is one of the better quarterbacks in football this season, if not the best, on throws between ten and, or between 0 and 20 yards, and then, you can't just assume I think he's going to be zeros all the time on the deep ball, but what, what are we hoping he becomes ideally right now? He continues to be as good as he's been within 20 yards, and he gets better 30-plus yards, 20-plus yards, I should say. Because if that happens, he's not going to be a gunslinger. He'll just be good. He'll just be legitimately good. I'll take legitimately good over gunslinger. And why why does he have to be what you drafted him to be? Why does he have to be what he was in college? Because if he was what he was in college, he'd stink. He stunk in college. Their offense at Wyoming. Think about this. This guy was drafted 7th overall. Here's how much his college team thought of him. Their offense was centered around Brian Hill, who's been a backup running back since he entered the league. And is hardly in the NFL. He's going to start this week for Atlanta because they've had injuries. Two injuries. He's a third string running back in the league. They built... they, They rather... They wanted to build their offense around him rather than Josh Allen. So, he needed to be a different quarterback than what he was right when they drafted him. He needed to be. And, I think you went too far. Like, even when complaining about the screen passes on third and long. Like, those are the type of plays that the, the good offenses in the league run. Look how many screen passes the Rams run. Look how many screen passes the Chiefs run. Because you know all you're doing there? All the quarterback's job... Should be. And all the quarterback really is, is a vessel to get the ball to your playmaker's hands in space. And on third and long, the easiest way to do that is a screen pass. And when you have a guy like Devin Singletary, who hardly gets the football already, you can't be complaining about when he gets it in those situations. I have no issue whatsoever at all. With that. I have no issue at all with how they're playing him. The only thing this offense is missing is I still believe that true number one wide receiver, when Allen gets in trouble, because right now, when he gets in trouble, 
and he has to trust a receiver to make a play on the ball, like a 50-50 ball, he's going to John Brown. And I don't think John Brown's terrible at it, but that's not what John Brown is. John Brown is not throw it up to him and he's going to go he's going to go fight it away from the corner. I think he's great at getting open. I think he's been severely underrated throughout his career. He's fast. He is quick. He's a crisp route runner. He has good hands. He's a complete wide receiver, but he is not the 50-50 jump ball guy. And I don't want a guy that just does that. I don't want to be misconstrued to say that. I don't want to see Duke Williams playing a lot right now. You know why? Because he doesn't get open. Flat out. He'll make plays on contested balls, but he does not get open. He is Justin Hunter 2.0. Kelvin Benjamin, same thing. Don't want that. But what I would like to have is the elite receiver that they had an opportunity to get in the offseason when Odell Beckham was available and was offered to them, and they said no. A guy that has the size, the athleticism, to go up and get a ball and wrestle it away from a guy and be a receiver Allen can truly trust when he needs to put it in a 50-50 spot, but also get open consistently, and also be fast, and also give you yards after the catch. That, to me, is maybe the only big thing they're missing on offense. But it could make such a dramatic difference. Because other than that, what are you really replacing? John Brown is locked in. He's a good receiver. You're not taking his spot away. Cole Beasley is a good slot receiver. You're not taking his spot away. You're probably not changing anything at tight end. Dawson Knox has showed some some nice signs as a rookie that make you think he's going to be good one day. And really, when you boil it down, you look back on the league over the last 10 years, rookie tight ends generally do squat. They usually don't do anything. So he's giving you signals to make you think he's going to be a legitimate starting tight end for you. And then you've got Tyler Croft as well, who's capable. So I'm not... Am I... I Bringing in a big name there? I don't think so. Offensive line. Maybe I'd replace a Quentin Spain, who's on a one-year deal, and he's okay. He's pretty good. He's a good run blocker. But I'm not replacing Deion Dawkins at left tackle. I'm not replacing Mitch Morse at center. I'm not replacing Cody Ford at right tackle. Those aren't no, no major changes on the offensive line. Running back, I've got Devin Singletary. Please don't go get David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell or one of these big-name running backs, Melvin Gordon, that's going to get paid big money. So I'm hoping they don't do that. And if they don't, I've got Devin Singletary. I'm fine. You're not making a change there. You're obviously not making a change at quarterback. So all of this stuff we're talking about on offense, what's interesting is I don't know. I just think it's so obvious. It's so easy. And you can just look at it generically and think, oh, yeah. The only thing they really need to improve on an offense is that number one wide receiver, but that can make such a big difference. And if you don't do that, your offense is probably going to be generally the same. It really will be. I know some people want the coordinator's head, but I don't think Dable's going anywhere. He's actually right in the sweet spot. He's not doing bad enough to get fired, and I don't think he's doing good enough to get a head coaching job. Which to me means he's going to probably, most likely, be back next year as an offensive coordinator for the Bills. I know John Clayton was on our station yesterday. We just played him back in the last you know, a couple hours ago. And he says, hey, maybe he gets some interviews for head coaching jobs this offseason. Yeah, maybe he gets some interviews, but I'm not... Is anybody hiring him right now as their head coach? So what really changes in a major way on this offense? The number one receiver. That's really just what it's going to come down to me. That Until they get that... 
Not until they get that. You're gonna never mind. You're gonna continue to judge Josh Allen based on what he's got. But I will always have in the back of my mind that he does not have that player. And last week I told you that I believe I will know what Josh Allen is after 27 games, which is after week 17 of this season. But I'll leave a little, a very little bit, but a little bit of wiggle room if they go out and they get that legit number one wide receiver. Because that can make a big difference. And just because it hasn't worked this year in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham does not mean that was not a good idea. That was a great idea that the Bills passed on. And I'm not, I'm not going to forget that. Because it makes no sense. And maybe there is missing... Maybe there's dots missing when you're connecting them here. But... If you just go on the reporting that is out there, they tra- they traded for Antonio Brown until he told them no. They were willing to move down from nine to trade out of the Ed Oliver pick down to where Pittsburgh pick, which was in the 20s. They were willing to do that for Antonio Brown, who had quit on his team months before, just months before, in an important game. He quit on the team. Didn't show up to work. He went home, packed his bags. That guy you were willing to put up with, who also, by the way, was 30 years old and in need of a new contract. But the 26-year-old who had a contract, who was also available for trade, and yes, would have cost you more, but not a ton, not a ton more. What did, what did Cleveland give up for Beckham? A first-round pick and a safety. And what were the Bills giving up for Antonio Brown, reportedly? According to John Clayton, they were moving down 15 spots. Which, if you look at the trade value chart, is about the price of a like a, a mid to late first round pick. I think it's about a late first round pick. So, it's not a huge difference. And they weren't interested. And I really hope that it wasn't just because they were scared off because of what had just happened with Brown. Because if that's the case, oh, I'm, I'm going to hate Antonio Brown even more. Because not only did Antonio Brown cost the Bills Antonio Brown, maybe he cost them Odell Beckham. And again, I think to myself, I know it's not working in Cleveland with him right now, but man, the way Allen tries to use John Brown at times, Beckham would be perfect for that. Perfect. Because he does throw some 50-50 balls to Brown once in a while. And Beckham is that receiver. He's just so good at it. And he's good at all of it. And I, want, I don't think he'll be available again in the offseason, but I hope that if a team comes knocking and they want to unload their top-end receiver, which doesn't happen that often, but if it does happen again, I hope this time the Bills will jump on it. Or use a first-round pick on wide receiver this year. Because from what we're hearing from a lot of the draft analysts that we have on, which is not that often this time of year, but we've had Chris Trapasso on I think a couple weeks ago from CBS um, a couple other guys, Ben Solak from the Draft Network. They have uh, all of them have said this is one of the best receiving classes in a long time, at least the best since 2014, which was a historically good uh, wide receiver draft class. So maybe the Bills just spend a first round pick on a receiver. Maybe that's their plan. But unless the quarterback elevates this offense, which still could happen, and he did last week, so I don't want to rule it out. But unless the quarterbacks play elevates this offense, the only other thing that will do it is that number one receiver. That is it. In a major way, at least. 
803-0550 is the phone number. We're going to hear from Greg Cosell after the break. He'll be our interview of the day. Always good with uh, with Murph and Tasker. Mayweather. Maybe I'll put it off. I, I basically said all I wanted to say in a very brief uh, way at the end of the last hour. But if you didn't hear, Floyd Mayweather put it on Instagram yesterday that he's coming out of retirement in 2020 and that he's working with Dana White. I have no idea what that means. It could mean... It really could end up meaning that he's just in business now with Dana White in boxing because Dana White said he wants to get into boxing. If you don't know who Dana White is, by the way, he's like the, the big guy for UFC, president, whatever. Or maybe Mayweather's fighting in the octagon. Or maybe he's fighting McGregor again in the boxing ring. Or maybe he's fighting Pacquiao again. I don't know. But this guy, man, I just I want him to go away. I've called him this I've called him this since I can remember watching him. He is the New Jersey Devils of boxing. He killed the sport. He killed it. In a way, it's not just his fault, but he he ruled over the sport for so long and his style was so boring. That's why I call him the Devils. The Devils made the NHL into 2 to 1 hockey games. And they were great. They were great for a long time. But did anybody enjoy watching them play? And this guy's going to come back and every time he does come back, he takes away and he he kind of he kind of belittles the stardom of other guys. You know what I mean? Like he makes you realize when he comes back how these other guys are not really that big of stars and I understand that and I understand that boxing is nowhere near what it used to be, but you just I, I want the, I wish the sport could just move on from this guy, but they can't because he's still the biggest money maker, which I hate. Cuz he's going to fight what? He's going to fight Pacquiao again and they're going to sell everybody on it. Everybody that's interested in fighting and wanting combat sports is going to want to see it. They're going to they're going to buy it. It's going to be the same exact thing it was the first time, which is just him running. And it's going to be a great defensive performance and only the the true like film analyzers and like only the guys that really know the nitty-gritty of the sport will truly appreciate it. Because all the casual fans and all just, you know, you get a bunch of guys together to watch a big fight, they're going to watch it and they're going to go, "Oh, that sucked." That's what I think is in store if anything like this happens in 2020. There, there's a little more expansion on my Mayweather rant, which could have been a lot more emotional there if I wasn't trying to keep things together. Because i got to hit a break in a second anyway. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for listening. We'll take any quick calls that you got, any thoughts on anything we just went over in the last 20 minutes at 803-0550. You get in now before we get to our interview of the day, which is Greg Cosell from NFL Films. That's after the break here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.